I'm here today with Christy Lauren Adams. Christy's a speaker, author, youth advocate, and ordained minister from New Jersey. She has two new books coming out in March. First is Unbossed, How Black Girls Are Leading the Way, an insightful inquiry into the lives of eight young black women who are agitating for change and imagining a better world. And the second book is Black Girls Unbossed, Young World Changers Leading the Way, a brightly illustrated companion book specifically written and designed for readers ages 9 through 12. A graduate of Temple University and Princeton Theological Seminary, Christie is the Dean of Spiritual Life and Equity and Instructor of Religious Studies at the Hill School in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Parable of the Brown Girl, Christie's 2021 debut, won the Best Young Adult Book from the New York Black Librarians Caucus and the African American Literary Awards. She founded the, the Becoming Conference, an annual conference and leadership cohort designed to empower, educate, and inspire young women. Christie's a 2017 alum of LEAD New Jersey, a selective year-long program to educate, transform, and empower the next generation of leaders from the public, social, and private sectors. She serves on the advisory board for Word Made Flesh, a nonprofit organization to serve among the most vulnerable in the world. To learn more, you can go to her website, ChristyLaurenAdams.com. It's K-H-R-I-S-T-I-L-A-U-R-E-N-A-D-A-M-S dot com. So, Christy, thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations on all your wonderful work. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> well, it's really great to be able to talk with you in this kind of a format. You know, I was looking forward to your book releases and being able to talk with you about them. Um, so maybe to get started, could you tell us more about your background than what I kind of briefly touched on? Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I often put that I'm an ordained minister um, on uh, on my bio, but I'm not like that active outside of um, what I'm doing here at the school right now. But once upon a time, I was pretty active in uh, church ministry and now mainly in uh, education. Um, but my writing, actually, um, I used to just blog and write articles here and there. But the the author part of my uh, background didn't really like come about until maybe about 2016, where um, an acquisitions editor reached out to me about just thinking about if I asking me if I was thinking about, you know, uh, writing a book. And that was when the seed, I would say, was first planted. And, um, and so since then, um, I did uh, self-publish a book back in like 2013. And it was really more just to say like, you know, like a bucket list, just to say that I did it, you know, um, that I had that much to say, but the actual publishing process of writing um, that started when I first signed with Fortress Press back in 2018. So um, since... I live in Central Jersey. I have to ask you, yes. where did you grow up in New Jersey? I grew up in East Brunswick, New Jersey. Okay, that's what I was thought. It was pretty close yeah. by to where I live. And I went to high school in New Brunswick. I went to a, a Catholic school, St. Peter's High School. Mm-hmm. And my church was in Somerset. And so uh-huh. for people that don't know New Jersey, like it's pretty dense. So you could be from one area and be doing something in another area in another town next door. So we consider central Jersey. Like if people say, where are you from? I'll say central Jersey. You like, you're That's the in the same thing Jersey. I say too. Yeah. Cause there's just no point. They think like everything that I've done was in that one town, but I actually like we've, we've, we actually wound up, you know, having our lives, different parts of our lives in multiple 
uh, areas of central Jersey. So central I mean, Jersey. That's, I, New Jersey is like one small town after another and they're all, yeah. they're all like full of people. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm used to it. So when I actually am outside, like now I'm in Pennsylvania, that's where I work. Um, but when I go like outside or even when I lived in LA, it was like, you had to drive really far to get to the next town. Like, and then there was always all this stuff like in between, like nothing. And I'm like, so you guys are just siloed off over here? Like, I'm <laughs> as, like being on top of one another. I didn't know like the rest of the world wasn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so can you talk a little bit more about kind of how you got started as an author, both, you know, the self-published book as well as how you, you know, got a relationship with Fortress Press? So the, the self-published one, um, I was working at Azusa Pacific University and I was doing a lot of counseling um, with, you know, college students. And I just I saw there was a need. And actually, it's such a blur, to be honest. Um, I had a summer free and I said, I want to self-publish a book. You know, that one was called The Misinterpreted Gospel of Singleness. And I couldn't even tell you whatever. I probably will go back and read it and be like, what did I write? Um but I went through that and I went through um, self-publishing through like Amazon had uh, or still has. It was a self-publishing sure. um, little segment called Create Space. And I went through that and that was actually pretty fun. But it's obviously a very, very different process, especially if you don't, you know, don't know what you're doing. Um, and so it was a learning experience for me. Um, but I didn't like I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be an author. It was like I said, it was like, oh, I wrote a book. Check that off the list of things to say that I did. Um, and that was an interesting process for writing that, too, because you just didn't know how, you know, you get a copy editor, but you don't have anyone that's like working with you, like when you're publishing, like with every single chapter. But again, I wasn't looking to um, be like an author. And then so some years had passed because that was 2013. So some years had passed maybe to 2016, right, when um, Valerie uh, uh, Weaver Zercher, who um, was my editor for Unboss, she reached out to me um, when she was working at another publishing company and and said, hey, you know, I've, I've seen some of your stuff on Twitter, et cetera. Like, would you be interested in, um, you know, pitching something or thinking about writing something? And I actually wasn't at the time. You know, I felt like I don't have anything left in me to say that that's that much to say. You know, that's more than just like a little article. Um, but spent some time thinking about it. And, and at the time we were Skyping. So this was pre, pre-Zoom world that we were in. <laughs> So Valerie and I Skype maybe like once or twice and just brainstorm some things. And um, at the time, um, I, I always tell people that my pastor uh, at the time, he used to say, you write about what you know. And um, and that was something that stuck with me. And, and I was like working with um, young black girls quite a bit in my career and at the time. Um, and so that was the direction that I went into with that. Um, but I, I wound up pitching, um, pitching it to a few places and Fortress was who I went with. Um, and that's just been an, it, that was an interesting experience, you know, um, you know, it was, it was before the pandemic. I put the book out one month before the book published one month before the, the quarantine and like the height <laughs> of the pandemic, the beginning. So that was also interesting publishing a book in a pandemic. But prior to that, you know, when you're uh, new my audience on, you know, on social media was just starting to build, um, you know, you're, you're flying solo, but you're not solo at the same time. 
you know? Um, and the reason why I say that is because even now when I published, uh, when we're going through the publishing process for Unbossed, it was on the heels of, you know, like uh, some minimal success with Parable as far as attention is concerned. So I'm getting more attention and more investment from the publishing company than the first time around. Sure, sure. So you're really like, you know, you write in isolation, but as you're publishing, there's more people that are contacting me and wanting to meet, talk about marketing, talk about this, talk about that. That wasn't the case with um, Parable the Brown Girl, you know, um, and no shade to them or anything. That's not it. It's just, it just, that's just how it was. We weren't really sure how that was going to go. I was just thankful to have the contract. Um, so, you know, when it came to marketing, when there was a few things that I just had to learn on my own and I had Emily Brower, who was my uh, editor for Parable the Brown Girl, and she really like, you know, she's so academic, which I love about Emily, which is the reason why I went, um, with Fortress. She's very like, she brings you back in. And so when I was writing, I had Emily sort of working alongside me, but I don't think we really knew what to expect with what was going to come from Parable the Brown Girl. So everything wound up being a surprise and a welcome surprise. You yeah, know, different. I mean, it was a fantastic book. It was very well received. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'm boss. It's like. I try to manage my expectations uh, for Unbossed differently than I'm trying to channel that sort of not innocence, but naivety, maybe more that I had for Parable, because, again, you don't know how things are supposed to go. You know, everything is new. And so, you know, if you get someone that reaches out and says, hey, I want to write about, you know, write a piece about your book or I want to interview you, you're like, really, you do what? Thank you. You know, like everything is, you know, and and then. For your second, it just becomes, we need more. We need more of that. We need more, you know, and I, I don't want, I, I would rather live more on the former end than the <laughs> expectation. Well, so let's talk about the new book. I mean, what, how did that come about? What motivated you to write that? Yeah, I, uh, I was not thinking about writing a second book. Um, not so soon. I wasn't thinking about it at all, but at the same time, <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it so soon, if that makes any sense. Sure. I like, because it, it happened on the heels of uh, Parable of the Brown Girl. Yeah, it hasn't been that yeah. long since that came out, really. No, but it came out and then the pandemic happened, right? Yeah. So yeah. what I wanted to be a year of just resting and being excited about what may or may not come of Parable um, as far as like us or me doing, you know, whether it was interviews or promo or, you know, then the, the, the awards, you know, those, those were all welcome. Um, and, and there were wonderful sort of like surprises, but I wanted like a year. I wanted a year of that. <laughs> that makes any sense, right? Like I wanted like the book to come out in February and then for the rest of the year for me to just be open to seeing like what comes of the book. Well, it didn't quite happen that way because I had a month of that and things came of the book, but because we were on lockdown and I was home with my family, um, which was, I'm grateful that I had an opportunity to go back to, I was, uh, I did my quarantine in East Brunswick for the first like four months and it was just me, my mom, my dad, my dog, my sister, you know, it was just, it was a good time, even though it was uncertain, but it was also a time that I didn't expect to have. Um, and we, I did have some virtual conversations and things like that for Unbossed, but everybody for Unbossed, for Parable, but everybody was just trying to figure life out. 
So it wasn't like, hey, I'm gonna send you a Zoom link. Hey, we're going. To, we we weren't in that rhythm or that routine of virtual world yet. So there were things that I had scheduled for Parable that got canceled altogether, or you know, just pushed back. That said, I had nothing but time on my hands, like a lot of us. <laughs> and uh, so that's when Unboss came about. During that, I did not want to be one of those people that wrote a book during the pandemic. Let me just say that. I was not, I did not set out to say, oh, I have time. So I'm going to write a book because really what I wanted to do was just catch my breath and make cupcakes and watch TV and play games. (laughs) You know, like that's pretty much what I did. Um, But there was so much of a hyper-focus on Generation Z at the time um, because of, you know, um, people just had their eyes on them. Like, how are they doing with the pandemic? And um, you know, the, the class of 2020, what's going on. And, you know, you've turned on your TV, there were virtual ceremonies and interviews with, you know, 17 year old, and 18 year old, and what are they going to do for prom? And, and then, you know, the murder of George Floyd took place. And then uh, Gen Zers were out there, you know, like marching in the streets and leading movements. And, and as there was so much focus on them that I was paying attention, I've always, um, you know, been a real strong advocate and sort of obsessed with this generation. Um, but they were really on the forefront. And that was how Unbossed really came about. So mm-hmm. February 2020 parable came out and all the seeds like of these these moments were happening between March and June of 2020. And June of 2020 was right when I said, all right, you know, I'm seeing a lot of leaders, particularly these young girls and young black girl leaders that were like emerging as a, as a result of what we were seeing that was happening nationally. And that was when I, uh, I pitched the book. And how did you select or find out about the eight women that you wrote about in the book? Yeah. One or two, I already knew or had relationships with, you know, Sonia, she's in, she was in Sayreville. I don't know if they're still in Sayreville, but like, so I was right in East Brunswick. And so, you know, I remember um, calling her and we, we, uh, she had actually interviewed me for my um, Parable of the Brown Girl uh, release party, but I called her and I, and remember we weren't like in the house or anything, like we weren't going to see people. So me and her sat in her backyard <laughs> And we were like super far away from each other. And I was just asking, asking her different questions, but I already knew her. Um, Some of them, again, because we were home, um, I I may have, uh, and we were largely on like line. So you scroll and you see, oh, like, this is interesting. The Not Okay app, you know, or Teen Vogue was putting out, and they put out an article about um, some girls that were, um, that were leading organizations. And I thought that was cool. And then others that I just researched that I just Googled or I happened to see or I asked um, a friend of mine is the editor of a magazine for young black girls for black teen girls called Sessy magazine. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, look, you know, do you know of any girls? Have you interviewed anyone? And she was like, oh, yeah, here are nine girls. Take a look. Wow. So I had time to look at their social media and to go on. Um, you know, some, some, I would say client, you know, I'm looking for teenage climate justice activists. And I would see like an organization and click on the team members for the organization. And if one, you know, one came up, um, not at the top, she was like three or four down. And I was like, wow, she's got a real extensive, like click on her. And I see all the good work that she's doing in Maine. That was how that, that had, we had the time to do it. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. 
Cool. So um, I'd like to read one of the quotes about the book. Um, this one's from Jamar Tisby. He says, it's a field guide for making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. How would you say that the book accomplishes that? Uh, you know, I am a big believer that we inspire one another, that, you know, that somebody's life, their leadership will inspire others and that it's all about just sort of like a domino effect. So I think it's one thing to teach about leadership, like just from an academic standpoint, it's another thing to read about young women that are actually doing it. And they're doing it um, in, in spite of various odds or various personal challenges or life and or I guess the Generation Z, you know, they are the post Barack Obama, Donald Trump, active shooter drill, 9-11 pandemic now. I mean, to see how they lead um, through, the, you know, through all of that. It's just it's it's fascinating. It's inspirational. And so I think anytime we can be an audience to something that others are doing. Um, I think it, it could inspire me. I hope it will inspire other people. And I think that has an, a, domino, a domino effect. So I love seeing the little pictures, some of the, the launch team, you know, they're seeing pictures of like their daughters reading the book and, you know, all of that. And I'm like, wow, if, if that can inspire them, then maybe they too will go on and inspire someone younger than them and, and that it'll just keep going. And so I hope that that planting those small seeds is something that uh, sort of adds or aids to uh, the changing of, of society and the world around us. Cool. Very cool. What roughly is the age range of the eight women that were profiled in the book? Uh, so they've grown up in the last two years, which they are very uh, vocal about. I, mean, <laughs> I have to keep saying that in these interviews that that Shell was 15 when I interviewed her, but she's 17 and a half. Right now. So those are the types of things that I'm having to like parable. I didn't have to do that because they were anonymous girls. So chapter one, the nine year old that I wrote about, she might be 18 now, but she's going to be nine forever, you know, um, but these girls will remind you that they're older. Uh, so yeah, I think the youngest one um, uh, was 15 uh, at the time. There were a few that were 15, actually um, two or three that were 15. And then the oldest one now is 21. Okay. So still pretty young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so yeah, how did remember- you- Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, the oldest one, I just remember her being 19 when I interviewed her, and she was nervous about turning 20. So it was two years ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how did the companion book come about then? The discussion guide? Uh, or wait, which companion book? The, the one uh, that's uh, for the 9 to 12-year-olds. Oh, the younger one. Um, so that came about a little bit after, um, after I signed the contract for Unbossed maybe a month or so after um, we were talking about turning something into a children's book before I'm not sure. I think we were thinking about turning parable into a children's book. Okay. Um, And I think I remember saying, I I think the other book will be a better book, the Mm -hmm. new, but I hadn't written it yet. (laughs) That's the thing, you know, like I had to convince you that it, you know, that it'd be a better book. Uh, I thought parable, I intentionally wrote it 
pretty mature. It wasn't necessarily written for young people, even though young people could read it, but some of the language, particularly the theological language could be kind of mature. Um, I didn't write this one that way. Um, and even though the, the, the language in parable was theologically mature, if we did it into a children's book, um, I think it could have worked, but we would have had to have taken out quite a bit. Um, you know, we weren't really sure if we wanted to keep the, they, you know, they want to take out the theology. They want to make it more universal. I feel like writing about leadership was a little bit more universal. So that was how those conversations started. And then, um, and then I said, look, I think I can write an adult book, um, or just a, a regular book that you can edit. Um, and I think it would be more tangible for, um, for younger audiences than, than parable would be. Um, and, and so I'm finding that now just seeing recently, just seeing like the final, final version of it. Um, that's, that's been fun to watch because I do it. It's like the girls or boys or whoever can open that book and see actual, like, it's not just a character they're looking at. It's like, it's a, it's a cartoon, but of an actual person. Mm, mm. You can do this too. This mm -hmm. is not somebody, a character that we made up that we can say, oh, you can be like this character, but no, you can be like this actual person, which um, is fun. So really just trying to present role models. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And role models that are close, closer in their age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like is really important. You know, I think a 12 year old reading about a 15 year old is, is um, so significant. There was a girl in parable that I wrote about um, in uh, the chapter parable, the angry Brown girl. And at the end of the chapter, um, I sort of always wrap it up with where the girls are sort of now. And the girl in the beginning was doing a lot of fighting. And at the end, when I uh, written about her, she wasn't fighting as much anymore. She said, I stopped fighting. She said, you know, I had a conversation with my older cousin um, and her cousin was like 16. I think she was 14, uh, the girl and the cousin was 16. And my cousin sat me down and said, look, you need to, um, you're not going to be able to continue this way. You need to slow down, you know? Um, and she said, it was that conversation. And I, that stuck out to me because it wasn't an adult, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, her mom, you know, it, it was another young woman close in age who took it upon herself to say, Hey girl, like you might want to, you might want to start making some changes. I love that. Um, because that's sort of what I'm, what I'm hoping for from unbossed for another 13 year old to read about a 15 year old and say, Oh, they're like one year older than me, you know, or they're my exact age. And I've had ideas that I've wanted to put out, you know, that I've been hesitant to because I thought I needed to wait, but I guess I don't have to wait because she's 16, you know? <laughs> cool. Cool. So, um, as you know, we have a lot of writers in our audience. Can you talk a little bit about what your writing process is like? Every writing, I've had to accept the fact that every writing process is going to be different. Um, I always joke when anytime anyone asks me about my writing process, I, I always say that there's this movie. Why do I forget the name of it? <laughs> no, something's got to give. That's the name of it. Okay. With Jack Wilson and Diane Keaton. I love the movie. It's so cute. And Diane Keaton is a playwright. 
And she's a famous playwright and she's able to go to her beach house, beautiful beach house, right? And go for six months, (laughs) you know? She and it's right in front of the like literally right on the water. And it's a great beach house. And there's like farmers market nearby. And it just she has all this time until and it's like write something until it's done. You don't leave until it's done. Well, I always thought, but well, that's what I want. <laughs> that's not what happens. <laughs> how, how many no real situations right. do you know like that? Right? right, none, right? But I think once upon a time I had that in my head. That, that, <laughs> that, 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 and it doesn't happen that way. So my writing process, um, you know, this, this was a little harder because I like going to a Starbucks or I, I'm big on like, I need white noise. I need things around me happening in order for me to, and because I wrote on Boston during the pandemic, there was no going to Starbucks or anything like that. So it was particularly difficult because I have a hard time writing at home hmm. um, because I'm like, I could take a nap. I could get a snack. You know, like I, I can, there's so many things to do that I'm distracted. But when I'm away, I can I, I can drive to a place and set aside a time and get two, three hours in. I still will want to do that moving forward. Don't get me wrong. It's, that's always going to be a part of my process. Um, but I had to create that environment. Like I went on YouTube and found like this like coffee house, white noise, 24 really? hours. Oh, yeah, they goodness. had that put that in and you hear like the background's really oh, cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that helped me escape. So I need to escape um, that. And I don't mean like escape to a beach per se, but I need to be somewhere where there's things going on where I feel like I'm somewhere getting work done. Uh, the other thing for me is um, it takes a minute for me to like talk myself into just like, okay, I got to start. I got to start. It takes a while, um, but I just got to start, you know? So there's no prime opportune moment that we sort of all think like, okay, it's going to be at 10 a.m. when I have my coffee and a full day and nothing's going on, you know, like it's just, you just start when you start, you know, and you keep going. And for me, I talked into my phone for dictation. Sometimes I'd be in the car and I'd get a thought and I'd talk into my phone before bed. I was talking into my phone. I remember for parable, you know, sometimes I don't feel like typing. Sometimes my thoughts, you know, just flowing like really on the spot. So I, I need, I need to get it. However you can get it out. Um, some of the more profound things like that I write, um, like statements that I feel like I want to take my time on. I write with a note book and a notepad and, and a pen pencil um, because with typing I see it and I get anxious and I'm like oh my gosh I don't have enough lines here I don't you know I so if I feel like I'm focusing too much on the pages and the care you know how how many words I have I I'm writing in a notebook so it's these it's it's sort of the scattered between you know going to a Starbucks or a Panera writing a notebook talking in my phone just typing you know in a library I write wherever I feel like I get the inspiration, however I can get it. And I have to, you know, sort of divorce this idea that it's going to be this perfect moment, this perfect spot. And I'm going to have all this free time. Sometimes it's in the morning. Sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes it's three hours. It just, it's never the same. It's just get it done. Well, you know, there are a lot of beach houses along the Jersey Shore. Um, you know, maybe you could rent one for a week in the uh, <laughs> early season or something like that. that. Nice. <laughs> I probably need to do that for my next book. I know I need to take some time, I have an idea for the next book. And I know I need to, um, 
I know I need to sit sit on it. Unbossed was a, it was a little bit, I don't say easier, but when you're writing about somebody else's story, you're interviewing them and you're just getting it down, you know? Um, so it, it flowed. Sure. But, um, but when you're like introducing new thoughts, new schools of thought and things like that, you know, you need to like do it some justice. Um, and so I know I need to, like, that would be a good idea, like for the start of it, you know, now granted in my mind, it, that's the perfect thing. So if, if I could make that happen, that would be <laughs> Um, but if I can't, you know, I, it just depends on sort of like the nature of the book and what you're trying to get across. And, um, so how, how you want it to get across. And so it's not that I'm going to take the next book more serious. It's just that I need to be more intentional. Um, I can't just like, oh, I'm writing, you know, Jay Shell's story. Okay. I got this going on or her, you know, like it's, I need to. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. So what advice do you have for new writers who are just getting started? Uh, imposter syndrome. <laughs> However, you can get past that, you know, um, because everybody in your head is always going to be better than you. Everybody's going to be more experienced. You know, um, you just as a new writer, you just feel like you're the only new writer in the whole wide world, <laughs> you know, and that. Um, you know, you have to have to consistently convince yourself that what you have to say is important. However, you have, however you need to do that. If you need to write a note, you know, um, on your phone or put a post-it up, you know, that says what I have to say is important. Literally what you have to say is important and you have to constantly remind yourself that doesn't matter how many books you've written. Um, but definitely in the beginning, because you will second guess yourself, right? Um, and sort of like wonder if like, you know, is anybody going to read this? Is anybody going to like it? Is anybody going to care? And your audience of one, you know, for me, not audience of one me, but like I always said to myself, if one girl or one person, one adult, one person reads this and they're blessed by it, you know, then I would have done my job. And so you just think about that one person that's going to, you know, that you're writing the book for that's going to say, oh, I needed this, or thank you so much for writing it, or, you know, it really helped me in this way. It's just that one that's like, that's, that's all the motivation I think any of us needs in order to stay the course. Very cool. Great advice. So you mentioned a moment ago, um, you're working on or thinking about something (laughs) in the future can you say anything about that or not too early yeah, kind of <laughs> um, <laughs> I, just, I just signed with rochelle gardner for um, oh excellent yeah so she's great she's like you need to build your social media audience i'm like i, I don't know how you know so she's been she's really great um oh, rochelle's wonderful yeah so i just signed with rochelle so she's gonna kick kick me into gear um in ways that i haven't um you know, I've, I've, I've been solo, but not, I've had great, um, you know, company, I've had great editor, I've had Valerie in my ear for the last, you know, two years. So um, that's been great, but it'll be great to have some like more like intentional, um, someone sort of like intentionally focused in on me and, and sort of developing me as a writer. So I'm excited about that. Um, and we will begin to think about um, how to pitch the the next one. I'm going to stick with the black girlhood for at least for the third one. Um, and I say that because, you know, yeah, of course I don't mind continuing writing about black girlhood, but I do want to make sure I like keep myself open for, 
know, it might be something else that I write about at some point. Yeah, I'm not sure. sure. So I, that is um, something that's in the back of my head, but, um, but like a, not a trilogy makes sense to round it out with a third one on black girlhood. I will probably go back to um, something a bit more theological. Um, so it may not be written the same way as on Boston parable, but that's the direction that I'm going in and thinking about. So very it. cool. Very cool. Well, you're young. So, I mean, you've got a lot of opportunity in the future to go into other new directions. So you got plenty of time. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to write a second book. So the <laughs> fact that we're even talking about a potential third is like, Ooh, it's a big deal. So the two new books are both coming out in March. Uh, the first one is called Unbossed, How Black Girls Are Leading the Way. And the second one is Black Girls Unbossed, Young World Changers Leading the Way. That's the one that's for ages 9 through 12. So mm-hmm. congratulations again, Christy, on these books. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you can find more about Christy and the books at ChristyLaurenAdams.com. So congratulations and good luck with those. I hope the launch continues to go well. Thank you.